It's December. The shortest day is nearly here as the winter solstice approaches. Our songbirds speak less and the trees are nearly bare. Only the conifers are thick and green in the chill. The college is in the final burst of activity before the long holiday. Finals and end of year wrap up keep lights on in early mornings and deep into afternoon dusk and long dark nights. We're almost to a time of relative rest. Students and college workers make the final throw for fall semester goals. Winter is here. I'm Claire Houle, a writer and instructional designer at the Center for Teaching Excellence at Midlands Technical College here in Columbia, South Carolina. This season, I'm exploring stories about life at our college and the ways we try to connect and work together to serve our community. What do you do for our college and how do you do it? How are you serving our students? Who are you in community with? And what's your experience of the state of interconnection at MTC? This is Instructional Ecology. This story begins with an act of service. I opened up the, um, the rooms to the surgical tech program so that students can come in early and you know go into the lab area and, and start working. I always say hello to them and you know ask how they're doing and tell them to hang on because you're almost there. Across campus, another act of service is happening. And what had happened was there, there was a paper jam, but it was nowhere visible. And finally, I was able to open up a, a back compartment that normally wouldn't even be utilized. And there was a little tiny piece of paper showing. And so then I had to come back. I couldn't get a hold of it with my fingers. It was so far back in the machine. So I had to come back to my office, get a fingernail file, and coax that little piece of paper back out to where I could get a hold of it with my fingers and hoping that I didn't tear it and leave part of the paper in the printer. And in another part of campus, elevator doors open and a person is waiting expectantly. For most people, I am the point of contact. I am the first person they see off the elevator, so I get asked all kinds of random questions. So really just somebody there to help. And in another office, someone else is witnessing a hard moment in a student's life and respecting it. When I have students that walk out here crying, I try not to say anything um, unless they turn to me and say, you know, have a good day. And I say, you know, softly have a good day. Today's episode is about another absolutely vital part of our college and instructional ecology, our MTC network of administrative specialists. When I was thinking about a season devoted to exploring our interconnections, admins were the first group of people I thought of. I thought, if there's any single group of people who are devoted to knowing how to connect, where to find information or answers, or how to get things done, it's our admins. So I went and asked a few to tell me about their work, what they see, and how they connect us. This episode is going to take you all over the college. It will take you to London, to a little town in West Virginia. It will take you to a part of the campus that can feel a bit like a doctor's waiting room, to another place on campus that has to refrigerate its students and professors. You'll be in the guts of a printer, and you'll travel back in time to the COVID lockdown. You'll get to see our college through the eyes of a very specific network. You're going to have a very administrative specialist experience. And you hear a lot of metaphorical images in this episode. To begin, I asked this episode's guests to use a simile to describe what their work feels like to them. Let's meet them and hear how they perceive the work they do. It might tell you a lot about our college in some ways you hadn't thought of. Let's begin here with the glue. Well, my name is Alice Meyer. I have been uh, working as an administrative specialist in the School of Healthcare for six years. I love helping my programs. I love it more than anything. I love being the glue that can hold things together. You know, 
I always tell every one of my programs, I am here for you, no matter what you need, no matter how small or how big, if I don't have an answer, I will find the answer for you. And that's what I love. Alice gives voice to something I heard from all of our admins. They want to be effective in their work and they want to help. This is a foundational trait in Alice's personality, and she particularly loves being part of the School of Healthcare for this reason. I started out wanting to be a nurse when I was in my early 20s, and, and I got through my first two years and got into the nursing program. I was going to be an RN, and then life happened. So that is something that is in me. That's a part of me. I've always wanted to help and assist and be there. And although I'm not in the field, I get the satisfaction of helping those that I feel are very important to our community. It is necessary and not everybody can do it. Just being able to, to be that link to helping the programs is my favorite part. Over in the School of English and Humanities, her colleague feels similarly. My name is Tracy Cooper, and I am the English department admin, and I have been with the college for 23 years. That's, that's part of my personality to help. I, I, I enjoy the, the feeling that you get when somebody even stressed and they come and you're able to just help a little bit. Maybe not solve it, but just help a little bit. And I, I like that. And she also sees people in her position as the glue. I think as admins, we are kind of the glue. We kind of help all the departments stick together. So if this admin in this department, this admin in this department, we kind of just all stick together and help each other. Then we bring the college together kind of as a team. And now meet the printer surgeon. My name is Rebecca Painter, and I go by Becky, and I began my career with Midland Tech back in 2006, and so now I've, I'm actually an admin specialist for associate arts and associate science programs, which encompasses mainly English, math, and humanities, and then I also support the IDS program, the School of IDS with Dr. Zeke. She's also the director of curriculum, so I help her with some different projects uh, in those, both of those areas. So what does Becky's work feel like? I thought about uh, a firefighter because uh, a lot of times, you know, um, I might be just sitting here uh, read, reading over a report or, or working on a spreadsheet, and it's just kind of a, you know, a, a calm, you know, thing to be doing, you know, nothing. And then, uh, you know, someone comes to the door and says, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, this this needs to happen or, or something. Uh, the, the, uh, the toilet's overflowing in the, the ladies bathroom or something. And, and you just you just have to drop what you're doing and and go. So uh, sometimes I, I feel like a, a firefighter that that, you know, they're they're not always super busy, but when they are there, they're very important. That's so evocative. Everything is calm and ordered until the alarm rings, and then it's all hands on deck. Being a practitioner in this field means being ready to respond to things that are in the job description, and then a wide variety of daily surprises. But the mission is consistent. Admins are helping keep the college running and interconnected. And there's a physicality often to the work of interconnection. In advising in its location, we really see this dimension to the job. Well, my name is Ayana Suber. I am currently the admin specialist for academic and career advising. Um, I originally joined the MTC team in 2020, I believe, as a library tech assistant. She said to me, in my office, I feel like a switchboard most days. So for me, a switchboard is like a student coming in our office needing financial aid assistance. Well, they say, well, I filled out my FAFSA and now I don't know what to do. Okay, well, I will have to send you across the hall. Or um, I'm not really sure where to get started with how to apply. Okay, I have to send you to admissions. 
or I need a copy of my schedule. Okay, I have to send you the records. This kind of traffic directing is a big part of the job at a college campus, and Becky calls it being the information hub. Well, uh, on any given day, um, I just might talk to anyone. Um, have Viola uh, from the information desk uh, calling with maybe a student or a parent on the line. Um, a student may be trying to get a hold of their instructor. I really can't help them with, with their problem, but I can give them a direction to go in. I heard this from everyone. I may not know the answer or be able to fix the problem, but I can send you to the person who can address the issue. This is the role of the connector, the glue, as many of them call it in one way or another. As a connector and responder, every day for them is new and a journey. Here's Alice again, queen of the simile. Sometimes I'm a leaf in the wind and, and everything's just kind of flowing and, and gentle and yeah, and you go from one thing to another. But sometimes you're an octopus and several things are happening at the same time and you're being pulled in different directions. But I love that. I love being able to take that and run with that and just do what I have to do in the moment. Friends, this is so vivid. From a leaf on the wind to an octopus. Tell us about an octopus day. Wednesday was a perfect example of being an octopus. I come to work, it's, it's 7.30 in the morning. By 7.45, it started. <laughs> so um, our, our surgical tech lab needs to stay at a certain temperature because the students and the, and the staff, they have to be fully in their uniforms. So they have the gown on, they have the mask on, they have the hat on, they have gloves on. So whenever you go into surgery out in the hospital, it's 68 degrees at the max. So it has to stay cold for, um, for them to function. So there was something uh, awry with the heating and it was 78 in there instead of 68. And so it, that started a journey. Okay, a 10 degree difference in temperature is absolutely not acceptable. We cannot have cooked employees and students. This is clearly a priority in Alice's day. Well, the first thing I did was put in a work order and then at eight o'clock, I physically called our operations department to make them aware that this was an issue. Throughout the day, it became a larger issue. Operations had to contact an outside company to be able to fix it. I went and checked on uh, the, the lab several times during the day to see if anything was cooling down, um, to see if they needed a fan or anything in there for that. They had the door open. They had um, rags around their neck. I actually wrote about... 15 things that happened in the first hour that I was here. I was assisting um, a program director to bring some stuff out from down in their vehicle and back up with that. And on the way back, a student that needed help with another thing, getting into uh, their class, into a lab. I got back to my desk and a new student had sent me an email and wanted to know, get information about one of my other programs. Um, another one of my program directors was opening their desk drawer and it got stuck. So I had to call operations and help get that. Done. It, it just continued. It was just one after another, after another, after another. All of those tentacles. All of the small connections that had impact on many lives, the surgical students, the program directors, prospective students, operations employees. If we think about an instructional ecology, these are the many necessary actions that allow instruction to occur and students and professors and materials to get where they must be and when. As we heard at the beginning, someone has to manage the printer when it jams. That was Becky telling us about getting out her nail file to snag that deeply wedged bit of paper. And she did this because a frantic adjunct had come to her because they knew she was there to help. Becky isn't a technician, but she's always ready to respond. 
we have two adjuncts that I deal with a lot because they don't have uh, internet service at their house. And so they come here. So uh, I have helped them with many minor problems. You know, sometimes it's just as as simple as maybe crawling under the, the computer desk and making sure that the connection is is good. And that way you don't have to call the IT people because they've been so busy with the, the different things, all with the Zoom and the virtual classes and everything. So they have just been uh, swamped. So, you know, I just just never know what, what I'm gonna be called on to do. And I'm always glad to help, but, like I tell some of, um, uh, you know, I don't know if I can help you or not, but I will come and, and stand beside you and be your support person. <laughs> this kind of work changes from day to day, and the novelty and unpredictability can be one of the appeals. When the phone rings, who's on the other end? I asked Tracy to tell me a story about a time she used her knowledge and contacts at the college to help someone. Here's what she said. One of the things that I remember the most is helping a student who moved to London. Her husband was the military in the military, and she wanted to finish her degree. Nobody in her family had finished, so she called me or emailed me every semester, and we walked through getting registered. And towards the end, she didn't want to take some of the sciences that we had, and so. We had, she had to research college she would like to take a class on online, then send me all that information, then I had to go to records, verify that that course could count if it was transferred back, which it did, and we got all that stored away, and then she graduated, and I actually got to meet her and her family. She did it. The student graduated. They did it. Tracy's story compressed multiple semesters of administrative support for a person living abroad in the armed services, earning her degree, and Tracy midwifed the process. The student called, and Tracy answered, and with that single beginning point, the student had an advocate and administrative support person who got her through the entire process, semester after semester. And you know, Tracy got to finally meet the woman in person when they returned to the States. It was, it was awesome because you know how you picture what somebody looks like and she wasn't what I had pictured, but it was just wonderful. I got to meet her and her daughter and it was just, it was really, it, was, it made my heart happy. Tracy and I talked about how she finds meaning in her work, which you can hear in her story about the student in London. And for all of our practitioners, the meaning they find in their work is from deep roots. I asked Becky about the fundamental drive she has to support her community, and that gives her satisfaction at work. She told me that she feels it's crucial to offer respect to each person she interacts with every day. Where did this value come from for her? I was raised by my, my grandmother and my, my parents. My mom and dad moved into my, my mother's house when I was a little girl and they just stayed for like, like 10 or 12 years and so I had the interaction not only with my parents but my grandparents and we're from a, a, a little town in West Virginia and so I learned at an early age that uh, you need to be kind to people. People have different situations and uh, you need to try to help them where you can. I remember people knocking on the door sometimes and my grandmother would give them a can of milk or a can of beans or something, you know, and, and uh, she always felt like, you know, maybe she only had two cans of beans, but she could give one, you know, and, and just that respect uh, for people who are from all walks of life. And, uh, you know, we had uh, people that would come and work for us and my grandmother and my parents were, always treated them just like they were, you know, uh, they, they weren't any lesser of a person because they didn't have a job or that they had to, uh, to do something uh, a little bit different than they might have liked to have. My dad actually worked for a, a company in West Virginia who made the machinery that went into the coal mines. And so every year they had a big layoff no rhyme or reason as to why nobody no one ever seemed to know 
but every year they had a layoff. So my dad would have to do different jobs that uh, anything that he could do to make money. So he dug ditches. He worked at a gas station, uh, you know, and and that's another part of um, my learning experience of, you know, it, it can happen to anyone. You know, you could be, you know, have the greatest job in the world one day and, and you might be out of a job the next day. And so you can't look down on people and you have to treat them with respect and um, and kindness. Coming from a town that was locked into a boom and bust cycle showed Becky a life of fluid mutuality. Sometimes you're the one with the job and the groceries able to share. And sometimes you're the one knocking on doors with an open hand. A consistent respect for everyone, no matter where they are in the cycle, continues to guide her interactions and therefore her work. These stories are the lives that our college is founded on. I've been reading a book by James Bridle called Ways of Being, Animals, Plants, Machines. And as he strives to describe the way the life of humans, of animals and plants, of the geology of the earth intersect and overlap and enmesh, he says, but in truth, there are so many worlds. The fact that we're able to live, to function, to survive and thrive together in this world of many worlds also implies that these worlds are shared. I keep thinking about the phrase world of many worlds as I think about MTC. As I move around our campuses literally or virtually by talking to people, I encounter many different worlds. Schools and departments have their own cultures and ways of working, and each person's biography contributes to these cultures. What we've learned and what we've made of our lives is what founds our working culture. And the admins both help create these worlds and are often the conduits between these worlds. We have a shared mission as a college, but our worlds enacted in their own particular ways. And so far in this episode, I've shared stories of triumph and success. So let me also share with you another aspect to our worlds. Our admins are witness to parts of our lives and our students' lives that are between the acts, behind the scenes, off what we may think of as the main stages. Tracy and Alice told me that their faculty often drop by and say hello and chat a bit. Maybe they vent a bit of their worries about their lives at home or stress at work or a good laugh they want to share. If the classroom is the center stage, the admins get to be out of the limelight of that fame and stress. Many of them like it there, just off stage, yet vital to the action. It's meaningful to me to do a good job and to ease even minutely a burden that my program directors may have. If I can help in any way, no matter how small, if it's making, you know, three copies or sending a fax or, you know, those are small things, but it's a need. And that's what I enjoy being able to fulfill that need and to see one of my program directors may have had a rough day and, and just to walk in and, you know, to say, is there anything I can do? And, it doesn't matter what it is. Is there anything I can do to help or, or how are you doing? And that's what makes my job meaningful to me. Just being that little link. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else. At the beginning of this episode, we heard Ayana describe how she respects the emotion disappointed students are having when they come out of an advising session where they've had to face some hard choices or news. Barbara Church Rodriguez told us a bit about some of those hard conversations in healthcare fields in episode three. Ayana leaves the space for the student to speak or remain silent, but then she also waits to support the advisor who had to guide that hard conversation. She told me that after a crying student leaves, she often shares a moment with the advisor. And the advisor would normally come around the corner a couple of minutes later and just look. And I'm just like, you had to tell them no. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, that sucks. But that's that's the job, unfortunately, with some things, that's the job. 
where you get the students that come in and you know they have stuff going on in their personal lives and so they do have to step away from school for a moment and that's always tough as well because you really want to finish what you start because you never know how long the personal life is going to be in shambles so you really don't have an ideal timeline when you can come back from that so that's always tough to hear as well especially when they're nearing the end and then something just drastic happens and they have to go take care of that. I thought about this often wordless moment when the admin and the advisor simply look at each other, a mutual gaze of understanding. She witnesses the student with respect, and then she witnesses and supports the advisor, both halves of the conversation. She finds part of her work is to buoy advisors in their intense job. And we'll try to like find a funny video or something lighthearted to talk about that may be going on in the world, just something to kind of lift ourselves up before the next batch of students come in. So I try to make sure that they do that. I try to make sure that the leadership I have in my office does that, but I also have to make sure that I do that as well because they everyone has their own offices to hide in, but not hide, but you know, just kind of sit in, but myself, I'm in the front. So the front office is my office. So if I can, whatever semblance of peace and quiet I can get in there, I always appreciate, but I have to definitely decompress a lot more. I would say just because I'm coming into contact with a lot more, you know, spirits and personalities and just, I just come into contact with a lot. Ayana told me that due to the design of her office and confidentiality needs, sometimes she feels like she runs a waiting room in a doctor's office with people waiting nervously. Some might know they're facing news they don't want to hear, and others simply don't know what to expect. So she does her best to greet them all and create a supportive and positive atmosphere. I'm thinking, too, about Ayana's vantage point in academic and career advising. Advising sees students in many points in their higher ed journeys, and there can be a lot of emotion. And as we heard at the beginning of the episode, she often has to witness some hard moments for them. She has to balance treating them with dignity and kindness while helping them to understand college processes and limits. This demands great professionalism from her. So with customer service, you know, you still have to have to be kind and friendly and just being open and not closed off. And so essentially when students come in, on guard already about something, I kind of have to get them to drop the guard just a tad bit so that we can get in and actually see how to help you. But in doing that, I have to basically say, I have to speak kind words with a firm tone in the sense of, well, no, you can't see your advisor right now because they're in an appointment, their designated time that they are free for uninterrupted time is during drop-in on either this day, that time, that day, something like that. So having to basically tell them, no, can't do this, but in the nicest way possible while still maintaining the professionalism of the office is something that I have to do a lot. Our admins are often the first people to encounter strong student emotion. What can she do to respond constructively? So, you know, like in like in retail, if I don't have a certain item in stock, I can offer to send them to another store or I can offer to order it for them and have it sent to their home. I can't do that in this job. There is no consolation. If I'm out of appointment, I'm out of appointment. If an advisor is out sick, then they're out sick. If financial aid, if I directed them to financial aid and financial aid didn't give them the answers that they wanted or that they liked, it's nothing that I can do about that. Like there aren't many constellations in this job. Having a lot of basically having to tap into a counselor's role without having that kind of training um, just to let them know, hey, I understand your frustrations, but we have to realize that I am not the one that you need to have those frustrations with. It's not, you know, I'm doing what I can to help you, but when you come into this office, into my space, I need you to realize that 
there are certain things that I can and cannot do. Um, so getting upset with me or getting upset with an advisor, like so once we take care of our end, as far as helping you realize what classes you need to take, helping you register for those classes, anything that needs to be done outside of that, we have no control over. This is the moment when you'll really understand and appreciate the simile Ayana gave me for her work. So let's just say Hunger Games, but input some, like maybe some rainbows and glitter and bunnies and candy here and there, just in different, just in various scenes, just kind of just throw, you know, those things in there. But for the most part, it, it Hunger Games would be the best way to describe it, just because like when it gets down to the wire, the last minute students that come in, when those appointments start to go, I think that's when that's when Hunger Games is really going to be in effect and it's not going to be any glitter, rainbows, bunnies to put in those places. It's just going to be Hunger Games. <laughs> Hunger Games with periodic rainbows and bunnies. The mood over there can get intense. And Ayana is on the desk directing that traffic. While I was talking to these women, I realized I was reverse engineering, extrapolating the kind of personality and skill set that a person would need to excel at administrative specialist work. This set of interviews was a masterclass in breadth of practice and form. And then I remembered, we teach these exact skills at this very college. With great excitement, I reached out to the director of our program here at the college. My name is uh, Elnora Campbell. Um, I am the program coordinator for the Administrative Office Technology Program. We are within the School of Business, and we also have uh, another, the Administrative, um, the Medical Office Administrative Assistant Program that is also within the uh, School of Healthcare. I have been with uh, Midlands Technical College for uh, seven years now. With great relish, I put to her the podcast's original guiding questions. What do you teach and how do you teach it? I feel like some of the skills that we teach are organizational skills, customer service skills. Uh, they get time management. They get critical thinking. Um, we have uh, three keyboarding courses that the students work with. And in those keyboarding courses, they um, we feel like that helps them with uh, time management, efficiency, um, data entry, um, as well as in those courses, they get to uh, focus on document formatting as well. And we feel like that's imperative. Um, they're able to create documents, create letters. Um, I feel like all of those uh, skills help them function in an office. If we based a list only on what we heard from our practitioners today, all of these skills are clearly fundamental to this career, especially critical thinking. She also emphasized professionalism as an important skill they teach, which we heard Ayana explicitly describing as a crucial feature of her work. Professionalism is what we feel is um, how students are, um, how they carry themselves, how they are uh, perceived within an office setting. And we teach that really early on. We start off in our AOT 133. It is a professional development course. <laughs> and we start off in that course uh, teaching them the various uh, office skills, time management, a lot of those uh, um, uh, soft skills critical thinking that they need. Um, they have the opportunity to not only um, do a presentation that helps them with kind of how they are, um, how they prepare themselves as far as in clothing, how they are presented, how they present themselves. We feel like that is important as well as with um, professionalism, they have to do a portfolio. They start off in uh, AOT 133 with a portfolio that they have to complete. And in that portfolio, we feel like that teaches um, kind of on paper or online um, shows their professionalism because they're required to uh, carry that document on um, into the final course. So it is a working document that they're able to use to kind of show what they bring um, to what they can bring to an organization. So we feel that that is definitely part of the professionalism and is something that they get very early on and moving into our other uh, courses. Um, we have other courses where they have to present, courses where they have to work in a group, um, working with folks. Um, we have a course where they also are uh, taught um, 
about business writing. Um, so they get an opportunity. Professionalism, I feel like, is in, encompassed in all of that. So they get not only as far as the person, but also in um, the way that they talk, the way that they write, um, which helps with that professionalism. This program has a lot of scope and skill building. I was so interested to hear that they use a portfolio-based system throughout the course of study. A portfolio system can show a student as well as professors the scope of learning over time and to show a final product that has become rich and complex. I'm thinking about how while much of the day-to-day -day work we've heard about are single-time actions, there are long-term projects like Tracy and her student in London that require tenacity and persistence. When did they start using a portfolio system in this program? I actually brought it because I um, was work was interviewing and um, they asked for a portfolio and I had never even considered that before, um, as well as in um, I was a part of IAAP, which is the International Association of Administrative Professionals. It's a whole international organization. <laughs> um, and they also did a presentation on portfolios. And that portfolio kind of brings in a student's resume. Um, they have to uh, do a cover letter. They do job search. They do uh, references, letters of recommendation. They provide their uh, any certifications they might have. Um, and then what what we've evolved it into as well is providing samples of their work um, where they have to provide uh, snippets of Word, Excel, PowerPoint access um, and any other programs that they've worked in to show uh, a potential employer how they are, um, what they're capable of completing, what they're capable of doing in an office. And we do feel like that system really helps not only um, with uh, professionalism, but it kind of encompasses a lot of the things that they learn throughout our program and also um, kind of presents themselves to an organization, not necessarily because a lot of times you don't necessarily get the um, get into the office by your person, but is by your what they see online or what they're able to see from a resume or anything like that. So we work with students to ensure that they're able to present themselves effectively in that way as well. This program is tightly organized and planned. Talk about art mirroring life. Clearly, this has been designed by practitioners. I also asked about the kind of personalities that do well in administrative work. I found around the college that certain fields of study attract certain personalities and interests. And I always like to ask about good fits for fields of study and practice. I find personalities that where people that are able to uh, adapt, people that are somewhat organized. Um, and I do feel like this is um, a job of service. So people that are comfortable um, being uh, in the background, being of service, not only to uh, themselves, but also, or to their managers, but also to the community. That goes back also to the question about community. I feel like um, administrative professionals, especially those in the front, forefront of the office, um, are serving the community. And um, we hope that they come in with a professional, um, friendly uh, attitude, smile, um, that definitely helps them um, with not only in that organization, but also um, moving forward. It seems to me that the voices we're hearing today are describing strengths and interests exactly in these areas. What a lovely flow between the work as it is done and the work as it is taught, all in the same institution. And speaking of flexibility and responsiveness and organization, that brings us to the work these women did during the big lockdown in 2020. When we look back to how the college experienced the 2020 lockdown, these forces will help tell that story. Some employees could transition to work completely from home, but these admins came in. Here's a chance to hear a little of what they witnessed in their positions. They all began their stories with the strangeness of coming to a nearly empty office. To come to work and see very few cars was a totally different feeling. At one point, we um, there was a critical need for gloves, face masks. I physically went to our different uh, program labs and found what we had on hand and made um, a note of it. Our programs took and gave back 
to the community what they had at that time because there was a shortage. So that was one of the things that was very different that happened. Coming to, to work and not having the students, you know, here or not having the program directors here physically, there are very few people at that time. If there was something in somebody's office that they needed, it would be me, you know, I would go in, unlock their door and find that piece of, of information for them and, and get it to them. The uncertainty of, of the times was incredible. I remember at one point we had to um, have a physical piece of paper with us in our cars saying that we were allowed to be on the road at that time. You know, we were essential workers. That was going on. It was an incredible time. A lot of growth and a lot of, you just worked differently. You were in a different role. Everyone was. The students were. They were now, you know, having to learn differently. Everything was different. Everything was a, a little scary and you know, is this going to go on and, and um, you know, um, losing people, physically losing a couple of people is hard. The magnitude of the whole situation was very trying. I was doing my job, but I was doing my job differently. But I was on hand and in my phone, everyone you know, has my phone number. If there's something I can do, it, let me know. Um, being accessible at all different times, knowing that that um, I'm the person here that people could count on. Here's Tracy's memory of the lockdown. When COVID first happened, it was just crazy, like unbelievable. Like we're going were working from home what? So it was at the beginning it was just making sure everybody had laptops and headphones and webcams and whatever else it was that they needed to make their classes still run. So after that kind of got squared away, then it was okay, well we got to deal with students and do they have any issues and how can we help them? So it was lots of spreadsheets <laughs> to keep up with everything. And Becky's experience. We felt more comfortable coming to the campus. And so we got permission from HR to do that. As we've talked about, there's a lot of aspects to my job that I can't do from home. So, um, you know, one of the things that I do every day is, is check the copier for paper and, you know, things like that. I mean, you, you have to be on campus to be able to, to take care of things like that. So um, there's a lot of things that I, I needed to be here on campus <laughs> for. And uh, so, but it was so quiet and so, so different from our, our normal. And during COVID, it was just dead. You know, it was, it was just so quiet. It was very, um, very unsettling. Uh, and I think that's the word that Donna and I both used. We, were ju we just felt unsettled because things were so different. But as time went on, you know, we did get more used to it. But, uh, you know, and I was involved in uh, some calling campaigns with the students. First of all, we had to call them and tell them that their classes were now going to be virtual and where the hotspots were on the different campuses so that they could go and sit in their car with their laptop and, and still be a part of the class uh, if they didn't have access at home. Um, and then I was involved in another calling campaign where uh, we called and asked them how their virtual classes were going. Did they like them? Did they not like them? Would they like to see more virtual classes, more on-ground classes? Um, also, were they coming back to uh, Middle Tech the following semester? Because we wanted to know if, if people had gotten so dissatisfied 
with the, the way that classes were being taught? Did they even want to come back to school? And I found that most people, while they didn't uh, particularly think the virtual classes were wonderful, they were accepting of them. And, and I did have a, uh, some people that said, this, this is the greatest thing. I don't have to travel. You know, I can throw a load of laundry in the, in the washing machine, then sit down and, and do my class. And, you know, so it worked out real well for some people. And then some people struggled with the, uh, you know, the technology and, and so forth. So um, it was very different. And then I had things that, you know, because I was here, I could help with. So. Um, one of the instructors called and said that his, his computer had gone offline, maybe uh, because of a, a storm or something. And so I was able to go in his office, check the computer. Sure enough, it had turned itself off, turn it back on, and then reconnect with him and say, is it working? And he said, yeah, it's fine now. And, uh, you know, and then another instructor um, needed some files that she was not able to access from home uh, on her Midland Tech computer. So I was able to go into her office and she gave me her password and walked me through uh, what, what file to, to access. And, and you know, uh, I was able to send it to her at home and she, wasn't, she didn't have to come all the way to the campus just, just for that. And, uh, so there were there were a lot of things like that during COVID that um, I was was proud and happy that I was able to to be here uh, for them because again uh, I just didn't know what I might be called upon to do you know and 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 happy happy to help, <laughs> happy to help where I could but uh, and and then we kind of got used to it and then so when when the uh, classes started coming back on campus, it's all like, oh my goodness, it's so crowded. Look at that parking lot, you know? And uh, so we had to transition back the other way once the classes started being on ground again. But it was an experience, that's for sure. I asked, what sustained you in that time of fear and uncertainty? Alice had a ready answer. Knowing that everyone still had a job to do, knowing that we still had students that needed help, that needed to learn what they could in however way they could. All of this was still something for them, for the students. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine the fear that they had. Put so much of their life into a program, and then all of a sudden, wow. Who could have even imagined anything like that? I know I couldn't. So what sustained me was keeping my programs going, being that glue to help them if they have questions or, or, or needed a phone number for you know somebody at the college, looking that up, giving them something small, but something they didn't have access to. But Bottom line, what sustained me is these poor students. I I just felt the weight of them because their goals, their this is what they want to be. They wanted to be the medical lab technologist, and how important every single one of them is, even more so now because of the COVID. To, uh, to learn and keep learning and not to give up. That's what sustained me. These countless seemingly small yet meaningful constructive acts can sustain people in their work. As I was listening to Ayana tell me about one of her favorite moments in her job, seeing the students light up when their registration is complete, it occurred to me that she's witnessing something that very few people get to see, the concrete moment when a dream begins to be realized. That look in their eyes that she observes is subtle, but momentous. It's just the relief. It's just the relief. It's been, you know, cause you never know what students go through behind closed doors. So it may have taken them just, you know, cause college really isn't as straightforward as people think. It doesn't, some people, 
may take four years to get a two year. Some people may, may take six years to get a four year. It really just, so just, I think just kind of having an inkling of maybe they may have went through something to get to this point and just seeing like the joy in their eyes. And, you know, like I said, the relief and just, you know, they're walking out of here with a good attitude. It's just something like the dream is really coming true for some of these students. Elnora knew what I meant when I described that to her. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of being an administrative professional in whatever role you you make that for yourself. Um, for for me, having worked in the field, um, it was one of the the things that I think is is extremely special because you get those moments. Uh, even though, like we talked about, you get difficult people, but you do get those smaller moments. You are the first point of contact that people are coming to. So you get the smaller moments where people are, are really happy about uh, an instructor at MNTC, or they may be happy uh, or excited about uh, something that uh, they experience with a doctor or um, in just in a regular business setting as an attorney or anything like that, where they're front desk, they're, they're, they get to see those happy moments. We, you know, we talked about the, the bad ones, but they also get to experience those happy moments. And I think that circles back around again to being of service to people where we are there um, to help them in whatever regard they are, because we are a lot of times the first point of contact. And even if we're not working in um, as a, a student service coordinator or an office manager or an executive assistant in those uh, various roles, we um, are still at some point the first point of contact for folks and we're able to help them through um, various uh, issues. And we get to see not only sometimes the, the front end of that, but we also get to see the back end of that being in the positions that we are. So it is um, can be extremely rewarding. And I told Elnora about the similes the admins had offered for their work and she was delighted. I asked her from her perspective how she thinks admins as a profession function in a workplace. My metaphor is probably um, one that you mentioned as well. I feel like they are the glue. Um, I feel like an administrative professional, a good administrative professional, is able to tie everything together. They are being of service not only to the organization, but to the customers of the organization. Um, they have the ability to adapt and adjust, uh, be personable. Um, whether they are experiencing um, a new manager or a new semester, <laughs> whatever the case may be, I feel like um, as an administrative professional, most people will um, congregate or come to that person for um, as far as first point of contact. And I feel like that is what makes an administra administrative professional the glue. They're able to then disseminate or um, direct people to where they need to be, um, provide them with information that they may need, um, and then keep everything um, working, functioning within an office. So I think that that is a definitely a really good uh, metaphor, but I do like the octopus one. <laughs> I think we often focus on large and dramatic moments in storytelling, but as you now know, I find great meaning in the smaller interstitial moments of our lives, because these are the majority of our days. When we say a day has gone well, it's often because many small things went the right way for us. We found what we needed. Someone got us an answer to a question. We had something good to eat that sustained us. We had a moment of restfulness when we needed respite. And someone was waiting to answer us when we spoke. We might not get all of these in a single day, but it's a good day when these countless small acts are met with connection and get us to the next point. In some ways, this is the sort of thing the podcast is doing. I go and talk to people and receive stories and impressions and moments, and then it's my job to hold up some for you and say, this one, this one here, here is meaning, and here is another and another. What happens when we string them together? We get deep into the ecosystem of our college and the lives of those who make it live, instructional ecology. And these admins love to stay connected. They are college newsreaders. They want to know what's happening. That's how I came into contact with Alice. She reached out to us about MTC Interconnections because she was curious. She wanted to make sure she didn't miss anything. And I said, may I hear about your work? And she said, yes. I read everything that um, comes to our email 
about things that Midlands Tech it has accomplished and done and um, awards that some of our program directors have or think that they are doing above and beyond. I love seeing that. I love knowing that Midlands Tech hasn't given up. They are solid. This is a great school. I believe in the, the people from the, the top to the bottom, um, everyone working together and the accomplishments. And, and I know talking to people outside of Midlands Tech, people that, that I come in contact with, like at the VA, our students go there. There's, there's not a bad name in what we do. It's always good. I see stuff on WIS TV. Right now we're, we're doing a Harvest Hope, uh, something for Harvest Hope, which is very near and dear to me. Um, I have given my time there also. I'm proud of this college and, and the people that work here. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. From a staff perspective, MTC is interconnected. Becky sits on our staff council. I've thought about that, and I do feel like Midland Tech does a really great job of trying to stay interconnected. And, um, you know, we have the staff council, we have faculty council, academic council, we have the student support services, academic success center. We've got so many different places that try uh, to interconnect everyone. And with a big organization, it is difficult sometimes to get a communication around. Um, I'm on staff council and have been for several years. Um, Ms. Debbie Walker also attends most of our staff council meetings. And she always, she's the vice president for business affairs and she shares information on how the college is doing. Um, how many students we have enrolled, how many credit hours we have, and, and how that compares with last semester or last year, and uh, talks about budget and uh, what, what's coming in from the, the state and the, the different things that uh, Midland Tech is responsible for that sometimes we think the state is responsible for, but they're not. You know, it, it falls on Midland Tech's shoulders. And then uh, and, and she talks about the different things like the golf classic coming up or the importance of voting. Uh, uh, so she's a very personable uh, person as well and is always open for questions and uh, get sharing information that she can. And, uh, you know, and then we have guest speakers. So Middle Tech does a lot of things and that's just staff council. So I know that faculty council and, and some of the other organizations do outreach like that too. So I think uh, as, as big of an organization as Midlands Tech is, that they do a, a wonderful job of connecting not only with each other here on the different campuses and the different departments and the different schools, but also with the community. We begin with an act of service, acts of service all over campus. It was Elnora who pointed me to the language of service in our conversations. I think it encompasses um, where they are um, like creating a document or creating a form or uh, helping uh, as a front desk with customer service. I think that circles all or encompasses um, being of service um, to folks and being in the community, um, being of service to the community. So I feel like it is a major part where um, they have the opportunity to uh, be of service to people. And I feel like that is uh, definitely something that um, as the faculty, we try to instill that in from the very beginning uh, for students. This episode is a very administrative specialist experience. We went all over the college and many other places, saw a lot of moments that many people never think of or find worthy of note, but we witnessed them together and saw them afresh. We valued them in the moment. By using this lens, so much is of worth. We see so much, hear experience in sharper ways, We've passed through a world of many worlds today, and the inside is larger than it ever seems from the outside. As we wrap up our second season, 
one we devoted to sifting through some of the interconnections in our ecology, we look closely at a lot of different places. And yet, I still feel we've only barely scratched the surface of all that goes on at MTC and our campuses and schools. There's always more to know and find and listen to in our world, and so many questions to ask with so many possible answers. This is the last episode for our second season. I hope that you've not only gotten a sense of the complex interconnection happening at the college to serve our students, but also perhaps have found some inspiration to find some new connections for yourself. Who's someone you'd like to connect with at the college? What would you like to talk about with them? Accomplish together? Maybe in the new year, you'll find a new contact or two outside of your usual beat or strengthen the contacts you currently have. If the CTE can help you with a vision or goal you have, or to help connect you with another part of the college, please reach out to us. We're here to serve our instructional community. We'll be back in the new year with another season of instructional ecology and more sustainable connections as we work our way ever further into the web of our community. We here at the Center for Teaching Excellence wish you all a joyful holiday season and a fruitful new year.